Minimalists. <laughs> this is Ask the Minimalists number 41. I'm Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus. And together we are the Minimalists. We're coming to you live slash recorded yeah. from an undisclosed location. That's right. These are, our, these are our favorite patrons, right? Yes, the true fans and... The very important patrons. Oh, don't tell the other patrons. They'll get jealous. Speaking of very important people, we have podcast Sean off camera right now. That's right. He is going to read your questions. We picked some of uh, the best questions. So many questions came in. Don't worry. If we don't get to your question today, we'll get to yours next time or the next time or the next time. Let's go ahead and roll some questions, podcast Sean. Let's do it. What do you got for us? All right. Let's start with Nathan's question. Nathan asks, what's your favorite moment of being a minimalist. Oh, this moment. <laughs> yes, uh, it's always important to stay in the present. I thought you were going to say something about uh, like when you handed in uh, the sheet and you like laid yourself off. Yeah. Because I'll tell you, the it was actually like 50% the best moment, 50% the worst moment when I got laid off. Because mm. I just remember going home and a piece of me was like, oh, wow, like, you know, I knew I wasn't going to stay at that job forever. Right. So I was so glad to kind of be forced out. But in the same token, going like 100 miles an hour to zero was very jarring. It can even be depressing like mm, because yeah. you have all this structure. Mm-hmm. You have the sort of rituals, the habits, the commitments, the obligations, mm. which we've been talking about lately. I mean, my God, talk about obligations. Our 80-hour-a-week corporate job. Was just eighty hours of nonstop obligation. It was a fire hose of obligations. Yeah, I've never looked at it that way. And yeah. and I'll tell you, yes, when I turned in my you know, resignation slash, you know, basically for those of you who don't know, real quick, the story is um, a few days before Christmas, they asked me to close eight stores, lay off forty-two employees. I had a few weeks to put together the plan. I put it together in two days, handed it in. My name was at the top of the list, and I, I just decided that what I was doing there were no longer aligned with, with my values. Now, you're right. Even for me, though, you said it, like, it was incredibly freeing, but it was terrifying. Mm. Freedom is terrifying. Yeah. Being Ooh. told what to do isn't terrifying. If, if, if you're a robot and, and being constantly instructed that you do this, you do this, you're under someone else's control, that's not that's not scary, but it's also not freedom either. And so, yeah, of course I was terrified because and even though I had paid off a lot of debt, I still had a little bit of debt left at that point in time. Uh, I had downsized my bills significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to downsize more after that as well. I remember I moved into that $500 a month apartment shortly yeah. after leaving the corporate world because I just couldn't afford anything else. I made $23,000 yeah. that year. And so, yes, that was, uh, there are so many moments since then mm. that really stand out. Um, and I can look in the rear view and appreciate those and be grateful how they got me here. But my favorite moment is this one right mm. here. Mm. What else we got, podcast? Wait, on? what about this moment right now? No, 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 it was the previous one. Oh, okay. All right, perfect. All right, let's go with Jim's question. Do you miss touring and seeing your fans? Oh, well, um, Josh hates traveling. He uh, hates speaking in front of large groups of people. And uh, what's the other thing that you hate? Oh, um, large crowds. Yeah, so I hate (laughs) public speaking, crowds of people, and traveling. And traveling, yeah. So, yeah, I miss touring. (laughs) It's strange that I do, but here's the the weird thing, Ryan. Like, Mm -hmm. I... 
Uh, do I miss touring? Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, you know, we had a tour scheduled in 2020, the Less Coast tour yeah. that got postponed, eventually got canceled. We were getting ready to do another one, the social distancing tour. We had to sort of hold off on that. Uh, we were going to do a premiere of our film as well. Well, because of all the COVID and everything else, we had to postpone or actually just cancel that as well before it ever got announced. And yeah, I I mean, do I miss that? Sure. Mm. Um, but also, like, it's... I miss the the whole experience. The mm. It's not that I actually hate traveling. It's I get really uncomfortable when I'm outside of my familiar elements, right? Yeah. But that's often the place from which I grow, I learn. And so we've been to so many places, you know, everywhere from Regina, Saskatchewan, to Perth, Australia, to Southampton, UK, mm. to Houston, Texas. Yeah. And and everywhere in between. And I, you remember these really random things like, oh, in Des Moines, they had this really great coffee shop. Or mm. the actually, Des Moines had a phenomenal museum there, the art oh, yeah. museum. Um, and, and the great coffee in Tucson, Arizona. And the sunsets in Albuquerque are phenomenal. And, and so it's all of these other little moments. But then, yes, in, in terms of interacting with people, giving hugs, mm. there's nothing like that. I mean, Jim's asking us this question here, but how much more meaningful would it be if we could be here in the same room and we had a conversation, a little dialogue with him? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a piece of me thought that you and you are the one who developed the coronavirus and let it out so you didn't have to travel <laughs> and go on tour. <laughs> That's Illuminati the confirmed. Diabolical thing. I know. What do you oh, wanna... my God. Oh, you know, the live events are my favorite. Like, that is by far my favorite part of doing all of this. Um, I mean, I love talking to you all on camera and getting the questions. But, yeah, that face-to-face interaction is by far the best. Um, there is something about, yeah, there's something about connection that this does that mm-hmm. this does not. And uh, I cannot wait to get back on the road personally. It's the reason we haven't really done a whole lot of um, remote podcasts. We tried a few of them. We did the quarantine conversations. I don't really look at those as podcasts. Those are just quick conversations for the Patreon supporters. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like actually recording a whole podcast, trying to do that remotely is so like it, it's fine. It's flat. Yeah, 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 it's it's 2D in a way. Yeah, it really is. What else we got, Sean? All right, we're going to go with uh, Shannon's question. What's a good way to manage the excitement of living an intentional life with less when you have a family who is not exactly on board with minimalism? Mm, minimize so, the family, right? <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> so so the, the excitement is actually one of the problems, right? Ooh, yeah. Because it's ephemeral. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah. And, and I see this all the time. Someone sees, oh, I just saw lessons now. and I'm cleaning out everything. Wonderful. Yeah. But if, it, if, if, it's, if the desire is based only on excitement, then as Ryan said, it's ephemeral. And so it will dissipate. If the desire is based on a realization, a deep understanding of all the things that I thought were going to make me happy – are actually getting in the way of my happiness, Mm. oh, then that's a different realization. That's going to give you momentum, right? And so the family doesn't have excitement. You do have excitement. It doesn't mean how do I instill excitement in the family. It's how do I I understand, how did I understand that 
the benefits of living with less, and then how might their life be, how, how might their life benefit from that as well? Yeah. I mean, the more that, that you, uh, Shannon, right? Yeah, the more that you, Shannon, uh, live your life the way that, I don't know, creates a meaningful life for yourself or you, whatever your minimalist journey is, those benefits that you show your family, that's what's going to help them uh, at least want to support you. Because if they see that you're, you're happy and, and that you're, you're, you're living a, a better life, if they love you, then they're going to go out of their way to support you. And really, that's all that I would aim for if I was Shannon personally. Like, it's not about changing the people around me or changing my family. It's, it's more about getting the people in my life who I love and care about to support me. Uh, the other way to do that is you go out of your way to support them however you can. But yeah, the excitement, I think it's almost like more important for me to maintain this life without the excitement. Yeah. Because it's easy to, it makes me think about like, Oh, well, this is not many people are listening to this, right? Or watching this. That's right. Uh, so, like, back in the corporate world, I would do, you know, some cocaine or go get drunk or whatever. And I'm like hanging out with friends. Yeah. And we get all these great ideas. <laughs> oh, hey, man. Let's start a business together. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We're going to start a business, man. We're going to get. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, but that wanes. So the next morning I wake up and I'm like, what the hell was I talking about? Like, yeah. what am I? So um, it's not that much different uh, w- with excitement. I mean, obviously, when you do substances like that, the excitement level is through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, you know, w- when you're when you're feeling excited, there's not. Again, it's not much of a difference between normal excitement that you get from an initial idea like minimalism or, um, yes, those extreme excitement from doing drugs like that. But maintaining this lifestyle without that level of excitement, that's where, like, the really deep work comes in. And that's going to be the most meaningful work. If you're living only on the excitement, it's it's not going to go very far, especially if you're relying on that excitement to take action. Mm-hmm. That's that's just – it's not sustainable. And Excitement's great. So it's not like we're saying disavow excitement. No, 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 no. It's just, as Ryan has said, it can't be the, the thing that propels us uh, 100% of the time because it won't propel us. Right. What else we got, Sean? All right. We've got uh, Susan asks, do your families get angry when you share not so flattering details about your childhood in the Patreon podcast? Mm, I don't think any of our family are our patrons. Yeah, podcast supporters. But you know, if you look at both of our documentaries, I mean, I do reveal some really bad childhood stuff. Yeah. And I have had family members um come at me and I'm not going to be specific with which family members, but they will come at me and I can't believe that, you know, you'd share something like that. I can't believe that you'd put our family business out there like that. I've had a few family members members say that. And all I can say is I wish at the time I could have looked at my family when I was living in this uh, dysfunction. Um, I wish I could have looked at them at the time and said, hey, these are my stories. Like everything that you're doing right now, these these are my stories that you're giving me. And uh, unfortunately, at, you know, at a young age, I wasn't wise enough to say anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I also own my own mistakes and my own stories. So it's not just 
if I was just talking about how you know bad my childhood was mm-hmm. and not taking any ownership for the bad things that I did, mm-hmm. I think there probably for me there would be something disingenuous about that. Right. But you know, as much as I talk about uh, my family's shortcomings, um, I also talk about my own shortcomings, and I own that. And if anything, I've actually have gotten places with some of this family, not every single one, but some of this family members, um, I've actually helped them get to a point where, you know, maybe they're not so upset about it because, um, well, I was having a conversation the other day with a family member uh, or maybe a couple weeks ago, and I had said to them, uh, people learn the most from these mistakes that we make. People don't want to know how you just become a successful person. They want to know how you get through Mm-hmm. All of the imperfections that mm-hmm. we have, and those are those are the stories in which I think people get the most out of. So the family member that I was talking to, I I kind of sensed that they weren't as um, as angry or tense about me putting our business out there, mm-hmm. because in a way I was trying to help them see, like you know, me putting this out there. I know it's a little embarrassing. I'm embarrassed of my old life, but I'm also aware that those stories are what help people the most. And I think that they got to see that a little bit. Yeah, I think people will understand that when they can step back from, you know, because once you're submerged in it, it it feels, it's easy to feel like there's some sort of a front on you because Mm -hmm. of that shame, that that guilt, that embarrassment that we experience. Uh, My whole family is pretty much dead, and Mm. so, like, none of them get upset (laughs) that I'm talking about them. Right. Next question. (laughs) All right, we're going to go with Maria. How do you deal with gifts from relatives as a minimalist? I know they love giving gifts, especially for our child, and I feel bad constantly having to say something. Mm. Plus, it is very hard for a child to give up things. Mm. And just like with spouses, I feel I shouldn't just decide regarding my child's things. What is your approach here? Mm. So with Ella, you know, it's fascinating because I still have the same problem. Her family members mm-hmm. on, you know, not my dead family members, but Bex's family, okay. they get her gifts, even though they know that we're, and get, it's almost like they're trolling me sometimes. Mm. Like it's, it's like here's really a, messy Here's gifts. a tambourine and some symbols. Yeah. <laughs> here's a muddy tambourine. Oh it's God. like, wait, what, why, why is that even a thing? And so anyway, uh, yes, it does require um, initial expectation setting. But then expectation adjusting as well. However, I'll say this: it also requires adjusting expectations on my end. Mm. We were talking about this the other day. I saw this five-star review, and it said uh, exceeded my expectations. And I was like, "Well, that's how you live a five-star life: mm. is if you are exceeding your expectations." Well, what's the easiest way to exceed your expectations by lowering the expectations? and raising the standards, yeah. right? Yeah. And so standards would be like how we approach things, what, what we do to um, you know, bring our best to the moment sort of thing, but not expecting a particular outcome necessarily. And being okay that if something does show up in the mail, which it does, I mean, uh, this past Christmas, Ella got this whole sort of, um, from her family, this this geode kit. It's like a rock digging. It's You're pretending to be an archaeologist or something mm. where you're going out on a dig, but it's in this little you know, tiny thing. And okay. It's, it's a giant mess. It's a huge mess. Mm. Um, and you know how I feel about messes. 
And so I realized I need to – that it's okay because Ella is going to get some value from it. The one bit of uh, – one, the one bit from that question I disagree with is uh, it's really difficult for kids to get rid of things. I agree that it's difficult for some kids to get rid of things. But I think that's burnt into us from the culture. Mm. I don't think that it's necessarily difficult for kids because you see kids, if they put a toy away – they forget about it in perpetuity. Yeah. They might think about it eight months later, hey, what happened to my trumpet? Oh, we, yeah, yeah, you, you donated. You remember? Oh, yeah, I did. Okay. Mm. And the kids are able to move on. They're way more resilient in terms of moving on than adults. We adults cling to everything. Mm. Kids can throw something down in the moment, forget about it, run outside, start playing with their friends right away. Yeah. And so I don't think kids necessarily have a difficult time letting go unless – what we've done is sort of thrown a stick in the spokes of, uh, and prevented them from moving forward. Mm. I think kids love to contribute. And if you can help a child see how them getting rid of a toy contributes, maybe it contributes to a uh, more clutter-free room. Maybe it contributes towards another kid who's going to get value out of that toy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know that I've seen kids get excited when uh, they can see how they are contributing um, by by uh, donating some things. But, you know, as parents, you don't want to just tell your kids no, right? Um, But you do want to help them set boundaries. So maybe it's a good opportunity for Maria here to help her child set a boundary with, hey, you know what? Yes, you can absolutely get this geode rock digging archaeologist kit. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we get home, uh, what would you like that to uh, replace? What would you like to get rid of, you know? Or maybe maybe they teach them the one in ten out rule. Maybe that's too much for a kid. But but it's yeah, it's usually not for a kid. That's probably a really good place to start. If your kid has too mm, many toys, yeah, a one in t- so it's a one in ten out. You could adjust it, obviously. One right. in two out. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, maybe this is an opportunity for you to help your child set up boundaries. But yeah, I mean, there's always going to be some sort of friction um, with family members in general who like to give gifts. And uh, what I hear Josh say a lot is. You know, don't tell your family members no. You want to tell them yes. Mm-hmm. So, how, so how how do you, how can you tell your family members yes uh, by also setting expectations? Because when we say no, it's like a very shut down sort of thing, right? And so, it's not saying no to presents. It's telling what are you saying yes to? Mm-hmm. Here are the types of gifts that we prefer to get. Maybe it's an experience. Maybe it's a dinner together. Or maybe it's this specific toy. Yeah. Uh, or it's a gift card. Or it's a babysitter. Or it's a sunset. You know, saying yes to the appropriate gifts, not mm-hmm. the right gifts, but the appropriate gifts allows us to, by default, say no to those other things that aren't adding much value to our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Let's try to lightning round through some of these. I'm going to try to get through all of these, Sean. Oh, yeah. Lightning round. All right. Let's do Carolyn. How do you relate the quote-unquote truth mentioned many times in the ego trap mm-hmm. with quote-unquote reality? Yes. Everybody has his or her own reality. Is there one big truth out there valid for everybody? Mm. I don't know. I, I, I think that um, there are some truths, you know, we, we can get into a philosophical argument about subjective truth versus uh, objective truth. And we write about this in, in, well, in Love People Use Things. Uh, there's a whole chapter in there about truth. And, and even since writing that book, my thoughts have, have continued to evolve a little bit about the idea of truth. And what I will say is that 
when I'm talking about truth, I'm not talking about, oh, it's my truth and it's live your truth. No, 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 those are beliefs. I'm talking about getting past beliefs, getting past opinions, down to the essence of something. So when I'm talking about truth, that's what I'm talking about. Interesting, because my, my pithy answer is uh, know your truth and less worry about other people's truths. Because I think we're constantly trying to convince people of what the truth is. Even the deeper truth that you're talking about, it's, it's something that you're getting to for yourself, but it's in a way, I feel like, that it's still trying to show other people, well, this is what the deep truth is. And the fact is, is that when we, when we start to put things out there, like there's always going to be some different perspective, some sort of disagreement, something that is going to get in the way of finding out what that true truth is or what that, that actual truth is. I mean, I don't worry about Josh's truth. I worry about my truth. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's funny because you pretty much gave the exact opposite answer. Yeah, I think if we could meet in the middle, though, I think where that would be is, is what you're saying is you needn't convince other people of the truth mm-hmm. because the truth does not require persuasion or coercion mm. or induction. The truth is the truth whether or not you believe it. Yeah. Interesting. I think we could probably go in another 30 minutes just talking about that. But let's leave it there. What else we got, Sean? All right. I'm going to get this pronunciation as best I can. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. I've got Bohunmi. Okay. Asks, what criteria are you using to find your new minimalist podcast studio space? <laughs> so oh, my we're goodness. In a, we're in a temporary space right now. Yeah. If you're watching the video version of this, we're doing a, uh, what is it, Good Morning America thing this week, and that's why we're just testing this setup. Yeah. Um, what are we looking for? I mean, I can tell you this, that our where we're at now, we were in a building that closed down. And now um, we are starting the hunt. I really, really enjoyed our old podcast studio. It was ideal for us. But this could be the opportunity for us to find a space that is even more ideal for future creations Mm. because where we're going is not going to be the same as where we were. Mm. And so probably more space is, is, is part of it. Being able to do some equipment upgrades as well, that's part of it. And um, having having access to a space that we can make our own that's also beautiful on video. That's really what, yeah. what's appealing to me. Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately everything Josh said, but we are still trying to keep it as simple as possible. So, yeah. you know, everything he said, but still with the, the aim of, of keeping it as simple as we can. All right, let's go with uh, Matthew. How do you select which guests to bring on the podcast? We've had a few guests cancel uh, this month, or postpone, rather. Mm -hmm. Um, Eve Rodsky, who wrote a really interesting book um, about being busy. Mm -hmm. And um, Jeanette McCurdy was supposed to come back on. Uh, In terms of of finding podcast guests, it always has to do with interest. Mm -hmm. Hey, what what am I interested in right now? And if I'm interested in that, because the opposite does not make for a compelling podcast. Right. It's like if we bring in someone who's like uh, a juggling clown and neither mm-hmm. one of us are interested in juggling clowns. Right. It's you just be like what is this podcast? Yeah. I mean, we get a lot of emails requesting to be on the show. So, you know, we'll get a juggling clown who's like, "Hey, I've used minimalism in my juggling ca- clown life and I'd love to come on the podcast and talk about that." Uh, that's great, and I commend that juggling clown, but like Josh said, that's not of interest to us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we we kind of reach out to people who we think can add value to the conversation or um, maybe even a, a different perspective than what Josh or I have. Yeah. 
And by the way, the podcast is invite only, so people will submit requests to be a guest or whatever, but it doesn't work that way. Yeah. All right, we've got one last one here for you. Let's do All it. Right. This one's from Emma. Do you follow any creators yourself on Patreon that your listeners might benefit from? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I get a lot of uh, like ex-Jehovah's Witnesses or current Jehovah's Witnesses. They send me messages, which I love talking about that. Um, although sometimes I feel like I spin my wheels. But um, in the moment, like I love having these conversations about uh, growing up and that type of religion. So there's a guy named Lloyd Evans that I really like to support who um, I kind of see as uh, kind of like myself, just someone who grew up in the religion and now he's out of it. And now he kind of talks about what his life is now and how he got there and, and a lot of these specific topics to Jehovah's Witnesses. So that's a very specific recommendation. Mm-hmm. But if someone, uh, you know, someone watching this is uh, an ex-Jehovah's Witness or even a current Jehovah's Witness, I would totally recommend uh, Lloyd Evans. Um, he's he's my favorite, but it's, it's so niche. Yeah. Yeah. Someone could still get value from it, even if they're from yeah. an outsider's perspective, though. Yeah, sure. I, I've been really fascinated to watch uh, different documentaries about you know, different groups or when kids grow up in a particular sect or whatever, because mm-hmm. you learn a lot about uh, indoctrination. You learn a lot about ideology and, and, mm-hmm. and sort of um, the cultures that spring up from religion. Yeah. Two, two creators that really stand out to me, Colin Wright, our, our good friend, he has a podcast called Let's Know Things. And uh, he is on Patreon. We support him. And then um, Brett Easton Ellis, one of my favorite authors, mm. he, his podcast is some of the best writing that's out there right now. And uh, he interviews people. And he, but the fir- he only releases like two a month. Mm. The first 45 minutes of his podcast, usually, roughly, is like a monologue. Mm. And it's all written. Oh, and wow. It's so well done. Although recently, he's been releasing his new book called The Shards. And it's he's releasing it serialized, audio only, only on his podcast. And by the way, his podcast is Patreon only, so it's not available on any other platform. Mm. It's just called the Brett Easton Ellis Podcast. That is, you know, the more I'm thinking about the people I support on Patreon, they're all niche. Uh-huh. Like I've got uh, our mutual f- uh, friend Josh Wagner. I think he's like maybe Fiction Clemens on Patreon, mm-hmm. but he writes this like fantasy fiction. Uh, based in, I don't know, 1600s in Japan that I'm, I'm really digging right now. There's a gal, she goes by Lady Pajama, and she just, Lady Pajamas, she just, like, puts out these zines uh-huh. that are, like, it's just, you know, random art. That's cool. Or uh, Lakeside Productions. There, this is kid that I support who's, like, just working on a boat. <laughs> it's, like, these most random Patreon people. But, like... That's wonderful, though. You're, you're supporting people's creative endeavors, yeah. and that's really what this platform is about. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. Thank you to our patrons. You've allowed us to be not just advertisement free, but also to, to sort of let our hair down in this semi-private forum. It's people that that get what we're doing. Um, <laughs> that was me letting my hair down. Yes, if you're just <laughs> listening to the audio version. Oh yeah. And um, it, what I what I like about Patreon is we are able to put out regular podcasts for free. It's mm. a normal podcast, regular sort of format. But then on Patreon, it's just like, hey, let's go in a room and have a conversation. Let's disagree if we need to. Let's talk about this. Let's better understand whatever we're trying to dive into. Yeah. And Patreon has really been a place not just to support people, 
but for deeper understanding. Mm. I get that from creators, and I certainly get it from our patrons as well. I love that we can have uh, disagreements on Patreon, especially with the stuff we've been getting into lately, because it's hard for me to understand. Intellectually, I can get there, but emotionally, it's hard for me to understand a lot of these things. But it's nice to have a platform where we can kind of have these I say argument, but I don't mean the arguments. I don't mean yeah. that pejoratively. Disagreements. Just, yeah, disagreements or, or uh, conversations really that help both of us get to a better understanding. Yes. Um, where in the uh, – and like you said, to let our hair down because in the free podcasts, I feel like it has to be very – here's the question. Here's the – you know, here are the answers. Here's the discussion. And let's, you know, move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Where with Patreon, it's a bit more freestyle and I feel so much more comfortable – Saying, hey, I don't under you know, I don't understand. I don't know the answer to this question. Yeah, and then uh, us having a conversation to maybe get to an answer, or maybe a couple different answers. But um, yeah, this is this is uh, it's amazing that we have this opportunity, and because of our patrons, we're able to do everything else that we do. So um, yeah, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, y'all. Love people, use things. See you next time. The minimalists. <laughs>